It's Cofield and Company. 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 Three seconds. No timeouts. Harper for the win. Oh! It counts at the buzzer. With 3.4 to go. Get it to Harper with three, with two, with one. Harper for the win. Got it. Let's go. Let's go. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. o'clock hours here busy sports weekend coming up we got vgk on the docket tonight against those uh gritty gutty not so good flyers wow big big number minus 250 on the side of the golden knights we'll get to a little uh, golden knights in a little bit you said gritty on purpose of course okay yeah just making sure it's a method to the mad sometimes sure. or sometimes i just stumble on it adam hill is here ari's back in our finley toyota studios uh sports can be fun buzzer beaters are fun Going to games is fun. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. Staying behind your team is fun, <laughs> even though you haven't had a lot of success recently. Case in point, the calls there last night, a Rutgers basketball game. They knock off the number one team in the country. They were four and four going in. They had lost three buzzer beaters this year, including a pathetic one against Lafayette. They were coming off a 35-point loss to Illinois. It was sold out last night. The rest of the season is sold out. Now they've had some success. They made the NCAA tournament last year for the first time in a long time, and they actually had basically made it the year before because of COVID. There aren't excuses as to why people aren't showing up. Heads up, everybody. If you go up on Twitter... We've tweeted it out on all our accounts. Tomorrow's run Rebel game against Hartford. Free tickets. Someone also sent me today, if you're on house seats, free tickets. Fans have been complaining when the Rebels leave the Thomas and Mac. I'm not sure exactly why, because this is not a new thing. <laughs> I'm seeing the excuses. Well, it's not part of the season ticket package. It's the same thing I heard six and seven and eight and nine years ago. Maybe they remedied it here and there, but they, they, they can't do it, okay? They're... They're involved in NFR week. Their building is gone. This has been going on forever. They're trying to find a solution. So they play games in the city, near or on the strip, like the Orleans Arena, like the MGM Grand Garden Arena, like they did a, whatever it was, six, seven years ago against Oregon. Now they're using McAlter Arena, which, by the way, is a great facility. It oh, is. Yeah. It can't be easier to get to. Like, it ain't Caesars. Nothing against Caesars. And it ain't, you know, Planet Hollywood, Right which, frankly, aren't that hard to get to either. But they're not in the middle of the strip. Mandalay is very easy to access on Hacienda or Russell or right off of the 15th. Will people show up tomorrow? No. Because I think they will still use the same excuses they've been using, which is it's not part of their season ticket package. 
By the way, it's a noon game against Hartford. But the the program is listening. Kevin Kruger is listening. And I'll read you a quote that uh, Sam Gordon grabbed on this uh, in your paper. But they are listening. I mean, they do want more fans out there. Uh, but the NFR thing has always been a challenge. It, it's just it's reality. Their building is gone for upwards of ten days. Yeah, for sure. And listen, it's it's what the city is. I mean, we've talked about it over and over again. Only thing people go to watch when it's cool when they're winning. Yep, that's it. I mean, we're seeing with the Golden Knights every single game, and they're winning now. But for like, a little while there, and you're seeing it more and more and more and more empty seats. Because not only are they not winning at the highest of levels, but they've also, you know, it's not the coolest place to be in town anymore. Like I, I've, I used to say people only watch winners here. It's all, it's either that you're winning or it's a cool thing that'll get a lot of likes on, on Instagram. And for the first couple of years, the Golden Knights absolutely, it was like, Hey, you're at a Golden Knights game. That's a like on Instagram. That's cool. Like that's what the town is. It, it's an event town. It's a winning town. And that's, you know, people that want to make excuses for why they don't go or it's this or it's that or it's this. It's that you only support winners in this town. And that's how it's always been. It's probably how it's always going to be. I saw about 40 tweets uh, after the game on Wednesday with all the excuses. And I, I started to respond. And I was like, you know what? If you don't care, then I don't care to respond. And by the way, let's like it's not. It's just not. Bottom line is, if you're going to come up with a litany of excuses, you just don't want to go. That's all. But let, let's be clear, though. When I say they only support winners in this town, that is a criticism of the town. Not of the team. I am criticizing you as sports fans. I'm not saying hey, you're great fans. You only support winners. No, like you, you we're, we're, abandon uh, teams when they're not at the very top. It's becoming more and more clear. We're a great event town. Yeah. We're a great sports event town. When we talk about ourselves being the sports capital, it doesn't mean we're the sports fan capital yeah. of the world. And I'm, I'm sorry if that offends some people out there. I mean, come on, you know, you know what you want to go to. You know what you don't want to go to. You know, you can come up with all these different reasons. It's the way it works. And, and Kevin Kruger, you know, back with the program now. He, he wasn't gone, but he was an assistant, but he's taken over the program. He said during the rodeo, the beginning of December, this is the plan. Maybe we can get something concrete. I actually, I think it's a good plan. I think Mandalay is a, a great venue so for a couple I. of games. Uh, if you want to argue, hey, maybe they could play uh, some higher profile teams, I guess. They played a pretty aggressive schedule coming out of the gates. So I don't know if they could do that. Higher the they played Michigan T-Mobile. Uh, they played Michi- Michigan and Wichita, and not many people went out to T-Mobile. And then, obviously, there's been the Vax thing, which I see commenters on that, and it's and like you keep telling there's no there is no va- there's no fully Vax thing at T-Mobile and Mandalay. Do whatever you want. Come yeah. on in. Well, but again, there are free there are there is a free ticket promotion for this game tomorrow against Hartford, and then they're back to Thomas and Mac in the in the following weeks. Literally, you if if you. You're out of excuses, and and listen, you don't have to go to games. Don't go. Don't go if you don't want to. What we're just what we're saying is, there is literally no excuse to not go to the game tomorrow. If you if you're like, hey, I really, I've always wanted to go to the game. Too expensive, or this, or that, or whatever. Fine. Tomorrow's the game to go to. Then go see that game. But if you don't, then no more excuses. The rest of the year, rest of ever. Number four. Golden Knights, Flyers, Flyers ain't good. The big spread. You got to give me your take. The other night, Robin Leonard pulled from the game. The fan reaction. Some of the fans. Yeah. A lot of cheering. What do you think of that? I mean, it, it, it was a weird situation. Um, that was not that was not really a shot at Robin Leonard taking him out of the game. It was kind of the whole team. And all three of those goals were kind of deflection and weird, fluky goals. 
but as as DeBoer said after the game, like you can't, you really can't just pull all the skaters off the ice. Like yeah, if you want right. to send a message, right. it's it's got to be the goaltender. And he said the 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 penalty kill was horrific. It was all three of those goals early in the game, all came on the power play, all came off deflections, all came off not clearing space in front and, and everything you're supposed to do. The the penalty kill was terrible, and. Leonard is part of the penalty kill. The goalie's part of the penalty kill. So in that regard, like, you know, they, they made the switch. They pulled him out and they rallied. Uh, you know, Bossois gave up one goal and then probably should have given up another when uh, there was a, a wide open opportunity oh that was boy. missed. Sagan. And, uh, and you know, it turned out they got a little bit fortunate there and then, you know, rallied and, and came back and got the win. And um, I think it was a really good win for the Golden Knights, a really good, impressive performance. At five on five, they were the far dominant team. They just had trouble again with, with special teams. So uh, I, I thought it was a, a weird reaction from the crowd. I guess I get it on some level. Um, I'll tell you what, though. I'd be so fired up to be v, a VGK fan, especially one that uh, did go to all the games through the rough times at the beginning of the season, and really they never got that rough because now you're going to be there for the payoff. There's, the, the, there, there's a good chance this is going to be a freaking outstanding team, and they're yeah. going to rush to the top of the standings. And as long it, health is the big thing. If they stay healthy, especially uh, with both goaltenders being available – they're going to make a run. So you're going to get rewarded for being out there for every game. And don't forget, on the horizon, you know, Jack Heichel is out there. Man. One of the more exciting, fun players to watch in the entire league who will probably immediately fix their power play. Number three. So it's been a couple of days. What is the deal with Josh Jacobs in this report uh, by uh, website that he's got a bunch of kids with a bunch of women? I think I bemoan this all the time, but this is these are the days. Please open the locker rooms back up. Come on. I put in a request for Josh Jacobs. Obviously, it was summarily dismissed. Um, I would love to hear what he has to say. <laughs> but, by the way, does it matter if he does have nine kids no. by eight women? Really, no. does it matter? No, but I, I will answer that by saying, does anything matter? Well, because, you know, it's funny. Last night on our podcast, DC and the Sunshine Man, that we do at 9 o'clock on Thursdays, we stream it up on Twitter and on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitch, um, Dave Koken was talking about character. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, I mean, maybe it's not traditional, right, to have nine kids with eight women. I mean, I, I, I'm not, not really – I look at families where they've got 14 kids, and I'm like, okay. That seems weird. Um, but if Josh Jacobs does his job and he's a professional and most importantly – is down for supporting all these kids and all these women for the next, you know, 21 years or whatever, you know, strike up a Kanye song, um, then who cares? No, do, I mean, does anything... Is, is it derailing him? Is it no. screwing up how he plays football? Then it, I, I don't care. No. I, don't, I, I, I mean, I guess until people started pointing out the hypocrisy of things, I didn't care that Tom Brady, you know, dumped one lady and, you know, wound up having kids with two different women. I, I don't care. Yeah, I don't, can he play I, football or not? And does he does he do what he's supposed to do financially? Okay. Well, even that, like in the end, if you really get down to it, if he if he's not paying child support to the kids, does that matter to you? No, I mean it. It, it I tells I me what for, kind of I, I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I'm just talking as a fan. I might not be like real cool with a deadbeat dad. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be cool with him as a person doing that. But I'm saying, like, what does it matter? Does anything matter? In the long run, no. I mean, does anything that's ever happened with the royal family matter? No, but we're all obsessed with it all the time. Um, does you know we're going to talk about a little bit the the concert that was in LA last night? Does it matter 
like the craziness that happened around it no but i'm, I'm interested in it like I, I just have a you know i guess it, you know there's a the media side and the you know inquisitive side is always just interested in these things like does it matter no does it change the fact that i enjoy talking to him every time that i have the chance to talk to him no not really but it's just it adds some you know some different angles to things i, I suppose in some way so it's interesting and intriguing but it doesn't matter no um is it does it even make him a bad person no not at all as you said if he's if he's not paying child support or something probably a bad person but if he if he did have the kids no it doesn't matter uh the report came out as you mentioned that he has eight kids ninth on the way uh he didn't address it directly on twitter but he alluded you know to oh some people will believe anything and his lawyers are going to be on the case uh so you know we will see how this he didn't say that that's what he's talking about but it that's what he was talking about uh so we'll see how this plays out in the end but he seems to he seemed to very quickly deny this on twitter number two linebackers real beat up right now for the raiders and the defense got torched especially the back end in the first game against the chiefs all right let's talk about the challenges of linebackers you know they're on the edge of not having any and changing the defensive plan well especially you know, Denzel Perriman has been the stalwart linebacker all season long, leading the NFL in tackles and, you know, double digit in almost every game this year. Uh, he is almost certainly not going to play, which is a, a huge loss. Now, he didn't play much of last week. Oh, he didn't play several series at the end of last week's game after getting the ankle injury. So uh, they played with him a little bit. Uh, KJ Wright, who obviously, you know, veteran in the league, one of the better players in the league for the last decade, has lost a step a little bit, but uh, he did have his most plays of the season. Uh, since the opener last week so he will take on a much more prominent role i would imagine uh in this defense and you know he's capable of playing at that level uh, i don't know how much age is going to take in his toll but he's he hasn't put a whole lot of wear and tear on his body this year necessarily so uh, maybe he's got a couple of really good games in him um you look around the rest of the linebacker core pairman doubtful um you've got every single linebacker was on the injury report in some fashion you know, Mark Ali's going to be good to go. No designation. Um, Klikowski now is on IR. Uh, Anwasor is, uh, is out for the game. So um, they've got everybody banged up on some level. Not one healthy linebacker escaped the injury report this week, which is crazy. Uh, but like I said, KJ Wright's there. Will Compton they brought in. I don't know if they see a role for him on defense right away, but at least he's there to start to kind of learn the, the system a little bit. Um, they're, they're looking for depth there. They're trying to find it. Uh, but right now, uh, they are, you know, because they're injured already, you know, a couple of plays away potentially from just having no linebacker. So. There's a bunch of safeties out there. Yeah. Trying to Which hold it maybe down. Maybe is good against the Chiefs. I don't know. Number one. Bummer. No Darren Waller. Yeah. They went without, without him. You know, they played without him last week. Didn't go necessarily well, but they did get used to it a little bit, I guess. <laughs> That's, there you go. Glass half full. Uh, Foster Moreau wasn't overly productive last week like he was the first time Darren Waller missed the game against Philadelphia, but um, they did target him. He was They were very close on a couple of plays that could have made his stats look a lot better, uh, including one in the end zone. Uh, so I, I think they trust in what Foster Moreau is. I think he's very talented. Obviously, ha- not having Waller uh, not only impacts you know not having him to throw to, but uh, you know increases the coverage on everybody else, increases the defensive tension on everybody else, uh, makes it more difficult for all the re- other receivers to get open. Uh, but Hunter Renfro has been a star the last two games. He's got 17 of the 19 targets that have come his way. Um, I think only the third player in, in franchise history to 
have back-to-back games with at least eight catches on 100 yards. Uh, so Do we need to mention running back, too. Well, that they're depleted there as well. Uh, could be could be the Trey Regis show coming up from practice squad. Uh, Drake's been what? Drake's down for the year. Jalen Richard on COVID list yep. for the like 11th time. Um, yeah, uh, you've got you've got Jacobs who was going to be the bell cow and the you know he got nine targets last week. Didn't do a whole lot with him, but nine targets, nine catches last week. So very active in the passing game without Kenyon Drake. Um, you've got Peyton Barber who will probably get a couple touches here and there. I would imagine, you know, Trey Regis could fill it could fill a role as well if he's called up. Um, so yeah, you've you've got some depth there, but you're certainly ailing at running back, and uh, it's a lot of onus on Josh Jacobs, who we know has a certain style where he runs very hard and often has to come out of games for a possession or two. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Point four to go. Harper Jr. crossing that timeline. No timeout. Crossing the timeline. Last second heave. Oh, it's gone. Down go the Boilermakers. Down. The train is off the tracks. The train is off the tracks. The train is off the tracks. Down goes number one. Oh, my goodness. It's Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studios. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Bells, Ari bobbing his head to Barry Manilow. You're welcome for that. You dropped. You also dropped your head when you heard the train is off the tracks for the third time. Not a fan of it too much? Twitter loved that. I did not. I think... I think Rutgers, that was a Rutgers highlight. They beat number one Purdue. I think Rutgers fans liked it, but I think I'm sure Boiler fans were like, all right, dude, you're annoying. Yeah, I guess that's me then. Yeah. It was actually, that was a student radio station. Decent job on the call there. WRSU, I might be uh, familiar with that place. Um, the uh, Steve Cofield radio booth. Yeah, they should, they should name it after <laughs> yeah. me, right? Um, I, I got an email. Yeah, I don't know how I got this email because, because it was Amazon. That's why. Sure. But I got an email about some sort of a Kanye Drake show. What was it? Yeah. Um, it's a charity deal. Y- yes. Um, I, I think there's there's <laughs> a lot, lot of hesitation. Well, there's a lot of dispute about the charity. Uh, it's a whole thing. Uh, but I was very close after practice yesterday to driving to LA. Get out of here. And then I would have had to drive back in the middle of the night try to make it back for practice this morning. I had like three stories to write as well. It would have been a nightmare. Which is hilarious. She just told me off the air that you haven't slept and no. you're still going to the VGK game tonight. So yeah. that, would, that would have been safe. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I really want to go. This is a historic show, obviously, that they played together. They've had a long-running beef, as you know, Steve. Um, they decided to do a show together. I think there's so many layers to this. First of all, it was the, it was the free Larry Hoover uh, show. Uh, for those that don't know Larry Hoover... Uh, very, very notorious, prominent gang member in Chicago uh, when he was younger. Um, he has very much reformed, uh, as he's, I believe he's been in prison over 50 years, um, very much reformed, and now is trying to broker peace through as many gangs and young people as he possibly can, and not very easy to do that from behind bars. I get the argument that you would, he's, he's doing his time, he's a bad, you know, he's a bad dude, I also get the argument, like, hey, maybe he could be very helpful. He's very influential these days. I don't know. But either way, that was that was the charity 
quote unquote that they were doing. I know people have had problems with that both ways. So um, that was the fundraiser they're doing last night. They come together. They do the show. Did you watch it? First of all, obviously not. Uh, you got that Amazon link. Still didn't watch it. Busy watching college basketball um, and Thursday night football. I had heard For going once. in. I had heard going in because there wasn't like a lot of time to put the show together. They just decided on like three weeks ago. So it wasn't like there was going to be elaborate sets or anything. There's one set in the middle of the L.A. Coliseum uh, and all these fans. So I had heard, and now I could be, this is total speculation, so I'm wrong. I had heard that they had both agreed to do their most recent album. Like, just basically run through your, your most recent album. And Drake, neither one was great, by the way. I love both artists. Neither one was great. Drake's was better, but neither one was great. So I was like, all right, this is going to be cool, but not amazing kanye goes up and just does every massive hit he has and i was like wait a minute i thought there was those were just the new stuff then he kills obviously yeah. he yeah, destroys yeah. it he, yeah. like he's got so many great hits the crowd's going nuts and then drake goes up again i'm just speculating this is total my thought right drake's like i i guess i'm doing certified lover boy songs i, I, I okay I, and he did it and it, it did not get a pop Oh no! It's like, yeah, because Kanye just did like every massive hit from the so last fifteen the years. So, uh, this is my my total you know guess at this, but I I think I think Kanye totally screwed him over. But either way, it was still awesome to watch. I loved every second of it. Um, I just felt bad for Drake, I, and and there's also rumors out there. Just to be fair, that Drake is in litigation trying to get the masters masters of some of his songs, like the publishing rights on them, and that he didn't want to do them on this show because he didn't want. You know the conflict, the conf conflict there um, with doing the song. So there, there is a possibility there is some other business angles at play there. But yeah, Kanye, I am I'm a Drake guy. Yay, crushed it last night. Uh, we have Adam Hill here for 31 more minutes. If you missed the voice of Adam Hill, he's back on Sunday morning. He'll be part of the Sunday Football Preview Show. That's a long running show that we do at the Westgate Superbook USA Superbook Nevada, uh, right there on a brand new stage. I know when I'm down there and uh, you're not, people are always like, where's Adam Hill? I need his pick of the day. Well, Adam, it'll be the Adams family takeover as uh, Adam Hill and Adam Candy. Getting you ready for Football Central. The doors open at 9 o'clock. These guys will be on the air at 8 o'clock. Prizes. They've got uh, bucket specials. Great food. You got the, uh, the bar and the food right there inside the theater. 1,500 seats with those fantastic video screens. Westgate Sunday mornings. That's the place to watch the NFL. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. Hunter to Stefanovic. Here he is, Williams. Patient. Going to work. Got it. The answer. Three seconds. No timeouts. Harper for the win. Oh! It counts at the buzzer. It's Cofield and Company, live. From the Finley Toyota Studios. Why you stick with your team through thick and thin, right? Hopefully the payout's coming for UNLV basketball this year. And uh, after a rough season for UNLV football, they played a lot of close games, including the game at Fresno State, right? Which shocked a lot of people, but they were right there at the very end, ball in hand. And, you know, that was another one of those games where they got beat up a quarterback. Doug Brumfield went down early 
By the way, Tylee Collins after that went down for the season. Uh, and then uh, Cam Friel was just trying to survive in the game. I wanted to talk a little Mountain West Conference football, also some NFL, uh, specifically Bears, Dolphins, as we get ready for the NFL weekend. And Cam Worrell played at Fresno State. He's the sideline reporter for him. And a lot of up people at Fresno, uh, you know, these last couple of weeks. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> yeah, upheaval is maybe an understatement, which is crazy. Usually, you know, a program that's relatively uh, quiet in the off season. It's been uh, quite a couple of weeks in Fresno, for sure. All right, so give me your impression first of all um, on Tedford being back. Yeah, you know, he came in and inherited a one and eleven football team, and you know, did nothing but win double-digit games the, his first two years, won a Mountain West championship, which, you know, a double-digit loss team and never won back-to-back double-digit win seasons, you know, right after that. So he came in, totally transformed the program, kind of took it back to Pat Hill, Jim Sweeney-type uh, legacy and just really restructured the entire program, had success, but then had the health issues and, had to step away. Uh, it was almost a perfect storm. You lose a very talented, young, up-and-coming coach in Kalen DeBoer, who had a really excellent season in 2021. But, you know, Jeff Tesford's one of the best football coaches in college football, period. He's shown it over his career. You know, you've watched the way his teams play. They're solid in every phase of the game. And, you know, he's a bulldog. He's been a long. He played here, was a coordinator here had success here as a head coach, and now he's back. So, you know, there's a lot of excitement around this program where you thought you might lose some momentum after losing Kalen DeBoer after a 9-3 and season. I think it's going to keep on rolling. So no one's – are fans angry about DeBoer at all? I mean, I, I think initially maybe, uh, you know, two years is quick. You think you have a coach a little bit longer – Daryl Rogers was actually the last coach to leave Fresno State back in the 70s for another opportunity. So fans just aren't used to it. But, you know, Kalen DeBoer is 46. He's a brilliant offensive mind. He's genuine. He gets kids to really buy into his philosophy and his vision. So it was just a matter of time where he was going to get another opportunity. It was a little bit quicker than fans thought, so I think there were some hurt feelings. But, you know, fans are fans, and they get their feelings hurt over a lot of things. I think with Jeff coming back, it does soften that blow a little bit. And most everybody around here, they understand the opportunity that Kalen DeBoer has at Washington, and that's not an opportunity that you pass up. I mean, the Jake Hayner stuff's got to be the real shocker. I think everyone assumed he's in the transfer portal. He's going to follow DeBoer. He's going to go back to Washington. What changed? Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? I mean, you know, Jake's uh, not a grad, so, you know, he transferred to Fresno State from Washington. I don't know all of the specific details around what took place, but, you know, Washington's on a quarter system. Jake was finishing classes here. I just don't know if the timing – would have worked for him to get on campus when he needed to to compete for a starting job at Washington, have all of his credits transfer, remain eligible, get a waiver. Like There were so many things that Jay Kaner would have had to accomplish just to step foot back on Washington's campus as an eligible football player. And in an accelerated time frame, I just don't think – those were going to be able to be done. And, and, you know, Jake 
made the decision to stay at Fresno State, take his name out of the transfer portal. Could have had other opportunities. I'm sure when he hit the portal, <laughs> he was hit up by a lot of coaches, even though people kind of expecting him, expected him to follow Kalen up to Washington. I'm sure he had some opportunities, but I think this is uh, Tedford coming back, who he has a relationship with, a lot of weapons returning. I think this was the most comfortable situation for him after I think he made the decision that he couldn't pull off the move to Washington. You you kind of walked through other reasons why uh, Tedford makes sense and, and why it should be pretty smooth. I know, uh, you know, talking to Derek Carr the other day, he was very excited and, and gave a ringing endorsement uh, for Jeff Tedford. Is, is there is there any concern of like trying to just trying to recapture, you know, and, and trying to like restart something that has you know been in the past now and just pick it up again? Like that seems like it's it could be a difficult transition. Yeah, I mean, and and there's always you know it was two years ago. Two years ago, Jeff Tedford had to step down for health reasons. That was the only reason why he was no longer the head coach of Fresno State. So that concern is still there. I know he's in a better place. He has taken better care of himself. He got a procedure done. So his heart is healthier. But, yes, there is definitely that uncertainty. We, we saw what Jeff did when he came in inheriting the, that 1-11 team and turn them into winners. Okay, the message when you're one and eleven, you can. It's pretty easy to get guys to buy in, right? They have not had any success. If you have any structure in place, if you have any past success, it's easy for me to buy into what you're preaching because I know it's different than one and eleven. So you know, not to say that it's easy to step in and have that success, but it's a different situation. This program has an expectation now of winning they've been very well coached recruits are very competitive you know probably the deepest program that i've seen at fresno state you know since i played in the early 2000s there's just up and down the roster talented players so jeff is inheriting something a little bit different and you know it's not a reclamation project it's how do we build on the success that kalen had in 2021 the message is going to be different the mindset's a little bit different how can he capture all of this roster and get them to perform at the same level Kalen did? It's definitely going to be difficult. Kalen is a very unique young football coach, and he really got guys to believe in what he was saying, and they went out and busted their butts for him. You know, Jeff has to kind of earn that trust with these players who really felt like the rug was kind of pulled out from underneath them with Kalen taking the opportunity at Washington. Cam Morrell with us, uh, played at Fresno State, Southern Reporter now, Bears, Dolphins, Jets in the National Football League. Uh, last couple things on the college front. Were you surprised that Jay Norvell told uh, Nevada, Reno, to uh, buzz off and got his salary tripled at Colorado State? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Colorado State probably, you know, from a facility standpoint, from a support standpoint, from a – potential fan base standpoint, one of the better jobs in the Mount West, and he was not making a lot of money at Nevada, didn't have a lot of money for his assistance, and got that greatly increased as well, and he's had a lot of success under those constraints. So the only thing that was surprising is I thought Jay Norvell, you know, the things that he has done at Nevada, I thought we would hear his name, maybe not with Oregon, that's such a premier job on the west coast there's going to be a ton of money tossed at him so maybe not that but you know i thought he would be in consideration for 
Washington State, or you know, if Matt Campbell leaves, maybe he gets an opportunity at Iowa State. I thought he was going to, you know, maybe leave the Mountain West and get some other opportunities. But when you look at his situation in Nevada, and you look at his situation now at Colorado State, it's almost like he left the same conference with the resources that are now available for him and his coaching staff. It's a completely different situation. Hey, hitting on the NFL, uh, the Bears, tell me if this stuff goes on or if everyone's a professional about it. Because I, I don't think a I don't think Aaron Rodgers was professional. When Aaron Rodgers is at, at the last Bears-Packers meeting and he's yelling at the fans, I own you, the next time around are the players like, oh, is that right? Okay. Like, the, like I, I don't know. Does that happen in the NFL? Or, like, does it get to a point where you, you don't think you don't take things personally? No, you do, for sure. Especially that rivalry. That rivalry is personal. It doesn't matter. That rivalry will always be personal. One of the first things you hear when you sign with the Chicago Bears is the history of the Bears and the history of the rivalry with Green Bay. That will never change. And, yes, Bears fans don't like, or Bears players don't like Aaron Rodgers coming to Soldier Field and saying that they own them. Now, the reality is he kind of does because he's yeah. dominated that series as a quarterback. So that makes you even more angry about it. The Bears are in such a weird place right now. I think a lame duck coach, maybe a lame duck GM, maybe not. Maybe Ryan Pace can survive. The only reason why is because he did go up and get Justin Fields and I think that changes the path of that organization, but Matt Nagy hasn't gotten it done. I don't know if the players really feel like he can take them to the places they want to go. So it kind of it takes a little bit away from that rivalry. But no, there's there is really dislike between the players of each of those teams. I played with guys who played for both organizations, and it's the same on both sides. There's no love lost. The records don't matter. You try to beat down the Packers when you are a Chicago Bear. It's funny how football works. Like here at UNLV, uh, you know, as that Fresno loss, that was part of just a horrific beginning to the season. At some point you're like, man, these guys are just going to pack it in. They're not going to play hard. And they kept playing hard. And um, outside of the game against Nevada, they, they, you know, they, they did, they, they fought every game and then they wound up winning a couple of games. And, you know, I look at the situation of Miami in the NFL, they get out of the gates one and seven. We're starting to see stuff like Brian Flores has lost the locker room. I guess not, because now they've won six in a row. And like, what do you think has worked for them? Clearly, they have a very good defense. And the other thing that I think is weird is, is Tua, is he going to be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL or not? I don't know, man. It's just, I think he's just a little more limited than those quarterbacks you talk about in that way. Like, if you're in the top half of the NFL, you can kind of make every throw. You know, you can adapt what you need to do on a weekly basis to attack opposing defenses. I think Tua is a little bit limited in that he can't make every throw. He doesn't have, you know, the arm to really threaten teams on a consistent basis in the vertical passing game. He's much better with the RPO stuff, the quick decision stuff. Now, he's accurate. He can operate an offense, no, no doubt about it. But when you get into that upper half of the NFL, now you're talking about quarterbacks that can win games for their team. And I don't know if Tua, he's not there yet. I don't know if he's going to get there. I mean, I think he understands the game at a very high level. He processes information very quickly. He is accurate. You know, he can operate an efficient offense. He could be a little bit 
you know, Drew Brees-ish uh, in the way that he performs as a quarterback. But I just I don't think he's there yet. I love Brian Flores. I think his defenses play as soundly as anybody in the NFL. I think he's a leader. I think he's somebody who, and we've seen it, one and seven is hard in the NFL, man. Dudes are getting cut. Coaches are talking about getting fired. It is a car crash every single Monday when you walk into that building. And Brian Flores has been able to write the ship, keep guys on track, and get them to play good enough football to win. Five games in a row is hard in the NFL, and, and he's done that job. I just, you know, I think it's a little bit yet to see if Tua can continue to elevate himself he could be in that top 15. I just don't think he has the skill set to, to allow him himself to do that. Hey, one last thing, Cam, in the final minute we have, and this is kind of a, you know, a loaded one <laughs> to throw in at the end. What do you think is going to happen with, uh, you know, fellow Fresno Stater, Derek Carr, after next year? Man, I don't know. You know, I, I love Derek. He's, he's probably one of the best leaders I've ever seen as a college player. When you, I mean, he really was the leader of the whole program when they – made that run when Tim DeRuiter was here. You know, he was the first-time head coach, didn't totally understand how to keep everything going in the right direction. Derek did. And we've seen that leadership with his time in Oakland and now Las Vegas. I think that's a guy that you continue to build around if you're the Raiders. I think he stays in Vegas. What are you going to do? You're going to draft a guy in the first round. You're going to try and sign a free agent. It's really hard to upgrade the quarterback position in the NFL, especially when you're in that, you know, competing for playoff spots every year. If you don't make it, you're, you know, late 20s, or I'm sorry, late teens in the draft. It's hard to find a guy who can be that dude. I think Derek is the best option for the Raiders for the foreseeable future. And I believe that in the right situation, Derek can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. It's been really, really tough for him in his time with the Raiders organization to try and accomplish that goal. Cam, thank you. We appreciate it. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Yes, sir. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks, man. There is Cam Worrell, safety, Fresno State. Now he's a silent reporter, played with the Dolphins and the Jets and the Bears. Uh, your opinion on Tedford feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a little it's, bit. It's just what, kind of what I was getting at. Like the, hey, this worked before. <laughs> Maybe it'll work again. It's a it's an interesting approach, but I, like listen, it wasn't it wasn't like he got fired. It wasn't like he even moved on uh, to a new place. Like there was there were circumstances that didn't enable to coach didn't enable him to coach anymore, and now uh, those have kind of been resolved a little bit. So I it, it it makes some sense on on some level. It's just it's one of those things where you could see it going the wrong way. You could easily see this where you're like, yeah, I didn't think this was going to work, but then you know you don't know. Three six four eleven hundred three six four one one zero zero caller seven. Your chance to win a Porta Subs tailgate tray. It's brought to you by Finley Volvo. Caller 7364-1100. If you don't get the tailgate tray here, you can get your own. There's 20-plus Porta Subs around the Las Vegas area. But right now, you get a chance to win. Caller 7. Call Ari 364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents... Hey, hold on. Big up, big up. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. You know, one thing I didn't get to with uh, Cam Morrell on college football, 
Um, if you're following what's going on at Reno, now that they have a new coach, we'll see if they can pull a bunch of their guys out of the transfer portal. I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but every receiver is either leaving for the NFL. Not every receiver, but they're 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 you know they're really they're one through six. Cole Turner, Romeo Dubs. They got a kid Lockhart who I think is a sophomore. Uh, he's in it. Stovall's an older guy. He's in it. Um, Elijah Cooks, a veteran who's been hurt often, big guy, six five dude. He's in it. Um, you know, it's interesting with the transfer portal because I saw some reaction to some like uh, Farrell Hester announced about ten days ago he was going, and I saw some commenter on social media is like. You know, because, you know, it's, it, when they send out messages like, thanks, you know, appreciate it. And the message was something to the effect of like, oh, thanks for bailing on the program. Like, OK. One, he wasn't playing. He wants to go play somewhere Two, not every person who transfers is necessarily transferring just on their choice. Right. Right. Yeah. There, there are there are situations all over the country where coaches are like, eh. Let, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. You're not going to play a whole lot. So if you can find somewhere, you may want to go in the transfer portal. So UNLV actually has a bunch of guys in the transfer portal. I think unofficially the number's up to nine. I told you two weeks ago they were going to have at least eight. So they're up to nine. Um, and now, listen, Winman was – that's not a loss you want to take because no. he wound up at – he was their best defensive player. He and Austin Ajake were awesome. So that's not a good one. Um but a lot of the other guys who were going in are looking for opportunities because they probably were not going to be in the plans. You know, veterans like Malachi Salou and Malcolm Johnson just went in and Jamel Ham is in. Thanks to a listener who just pointed that out. So it's not always, you know, it's not this, hey, all these kids, you know, nomads are just bailing. Like sometimes it's not necessarily their choice. They can see the handwriting on the wall and it's like, uh, you know, how can you be mad at them? They want to go play. If they want to go play or if they were told to go find a place to play. Yeah. yeah either one. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I'm trying to tie this to something, right? Uh, I won't even I won't even waste the effort coming up with a segue. Jealousy is a really ugly thing. Yes, it is. And if like when I saw the news the other day that Pat McAfee, a relative newbie to sports radio, is getting big money from one of the sports books, like to the tune of like thirty million dollars a year, my first reaction was not. Crap, I've been doing this a long time. Like, no, he's really good. He's got a great concept. He's worked his ass off. He's unlike most athletes who get into this. Yet we read today, Boomer Siason's all pissed off. And his co-host, who I don't even know, uh, Greg Giannotti. Uh, don't know him. That's uh, what Geo that goes by on the radio. Uh, apparently, these companies have just a bottomless pit of money. They're referring to both uh, the McAfee deal and the Dan, Le- Dan Lebitard deal. I feel like Pat McAfee only gets attention when Aaron Rodgers is on a show. Outside of that, you don't see a whole lot of him around. Levitard, ever since leaving ESPN, I feel he's completely disappeared. I wonder about the bang for the buck on this one. So you're deciding where they're spending they're their both, money? But it, it, they're it, it, both it's, New York radio guys, and you know New York radio guys have no scope of anywhere else in the country. You're going to lose this from a size in. I mean, I do this show. I do Game Time, NFL Today, a lot of stuff. I'd like to think I'm working a hell of a lot harder than those guys. Yeah, hard work. Okay, Boomer.